Hi, Sarah. Thank you for joining in this podcast today. Um, and it's brilliant. You're going to be able to come and share some information about the services that you provide with the listening place. So for the purpose of our listeners, please, can you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit more about yourself? Okay. Hello, I'm Sarah Anderson. and I'm the chief executive of a charity called The Listening Place. Thank you. Oh, that's really helpful. Thank you. Please, can you provide an overview of what your services do within The Listening Place? Yes. So The Listening Place is a registered charity providing free face-to-face support by appointment for those who feel their lives are no longer worth living. So those are for people who are suicidal on a continuum from mild suicide ideation through to active risk. We have three sites in London, in Westminster, uh, in Southwark and in King's Cross, and we're about to open a fourth site in Hammersmith. And we receive over 500 referrals a month of suicidal people, of which two thirds come from the NHS, from various parts of the NHS, like liaison psychiatry departments in hospitals, from GPs, from crisis mental health teams, from single points of access, and from IAPT services. And we currently see over 100 suicidal people a day, seven days a week. That sounds like really good initiative. Could you please tell us how the listening place services differs from the offers via NHS or mental health services? Yes, I think unfortunately there is a real gap in services for ongoing support for suicidal people in the NHS. Too often these individuals are not deemed suitable for IAP services or NHS talking therapies and do not meet the criteria for secondary mental health care. So IAP services, which provide an excellent service for depression and anxiety for many, many people, too often have long waiting lists, but also they don't offer support to those who are highly suicidal or those who suffer from an addiction or those with a dual diagnosis and those with a diagnosis of personality disorder. So that's that's the gap I'm talking about. And as a charity, which is run by highly trained and well-selected volunteers, we have less, perhaps, constraints on our resources and can spend time supporting those excluded individuals. It's particularly useful for those with um, a diagnosis of a personality disorder, because if one of our visitors, and we call out the people who see us visitors, fails to show up for an appointment, we will telephone them And if unsuccessful on the phone, we'll text them and we'll email them, encouraging them to continue with our support. And for people who have an experience of feeling rejected in life and therefore have a tendency to reject people before they reject them, which means that they're poor on attendance at appointments, at the very least, they know that at their appointment time that they're held in mind by us. And I think that people talk about as being a very important service. Thank you. I agree. And I think being rejected has come up quite a few times around different themes um, that we've been involved in. So we definitely do understand the importance of that. And it's also uplifting just to know that people in crisis can be offered your services due to 
long NHS waiting times. And as we know, a lot of people who are in crisis cannot afford to be waiting, um, you know, on a waiting list. They need the help like there then. So I think the service that you're providing is absolutely brilliant. It really is. And it'd be great to have more of these services. Do you think you could please tell me three ways your service offers helps to reduce stigma or why you're successful within your services? So I'm not sure that we help reduce the stigma and to an extent there's no point reducing a stigma if there are no services available for the people who feel stigmatised. But I do think that because we talk about suicide on every contact we have with a, a visitor, that in a way destigmatizes the whole issue around suicide. Um, but I, I guess we're successful because we have so many, uh, nearly 600 uh, very well trained and selected volunteers. And there is such a massive gap in services and such a huge demand. Also, because we have a very, very simple referral process and a very fast response time. We respond to all referrals within 24 hours. We telephone the individual and we offer our first appointment within seven days. If we can't get hold of the individual on our first call, we'll go on trying to reach them over a period of seven days uh, at different times of the day and at the weekend. We also have an extremely welcoming environment where people are treated like human beings compassionately from the moment they arrive, they're offered a cup of tea they're, or a coffee or whatever they want to drink. They're, they're um, welcomed in, they're not wasting our time, we're very attentive to them. And then they see the same volunteer each time they come in and that person knows them from, from time to time. Even that helping volunteer on reception often knows whether they take tea with one sugar and milk or how they like their, their um, beverage, which makes people feel known and belonging. And we don't expect people to repeat their story every time if they, if, if they don't want to, because we keep notes. And so they're not forever being to ask what their name is and what's happened to them. We just carry on where they want to carry on. So I think that those are the main things. Thank you very much. That is so helpful to know. And again, very insightful. I was quite shocked as well when you said, you know, you have 600 volunteers. I was quite surprised. That is a really big, big volunteer team. And that's great. Um, it sounds like you've been doing an amazing job, especially making people feel welcome, which is so important. It's always that first initial contact that you have with a client that means so much and it goes such a long way. This is awesome and so vital to make your visitors feel embraced and being tentative towards their, their immediate needs. So I was just thinking, so what do you think the NHS transformation plans can learn from your experiences? Well, I certainly don't want to knock NHS receptionists, but I sometimes feel when I go for an appointment at my GP that they're determined to make it as difficult as possible and we make it as easy as possible and if someone doesn't turn up for an appointment, we telephone them to ask them if they're OK, that we're worried about them, not you've just wasted our time by not arriving for your appointment. So I think there's something about compassionate and caring 
need within services right from the first uh, get go when someone uh, interacts with them. And I think there is a real need to reduce that gap in services for people who are suicidal, for people who have personality disorders, because there really is nothing out there as far as I can see for them at the moment. And that when people have vulnerable and chaotic lives, I think it's really important to to make allowances for that. And I suppose, lastly, to invest equal resources into mental health care as physical health care, because one tends to lead to the other. And also, suicide is the highest cause of death of all men under the age of 55 and all adults um, under the age of 35. So it's a major health issue, which sometimes is, is a Cinderella of the health service. Thank you very much. That's brilliant. And it sounds like very much person-centred service. Um, and that's great, you know, tailoring it around the person, focusing on the individual. Um, and that's just such a positive thing. As an additional question, just out of interest, you did mention that two thirds of referrals come from the NHS. I am really interested to find out how you promote your services such as do you do any outreach work or um, any platforms of social media um, in order to yeah, promote your services? Yes, so we don't advertise at all. Um, and, and there's a very good reason for that. We don't want to break our model of uh, have, we, we, we certainly won't have waiting lists. We want to respond within 24 hours because there's no point if you're suicidal having to wait. Uh, we want to have an appointment within seven days. So we don't promote ourselves or advertise our service. However, I do belong to a number of the suicide prevention groups in London boroughs. So the people there will know about us and there is a huge word of mouth following. So, so the two thirds from the NHS, but then additionally, we get referrals from the police, from social services, from university counselling departments, from housing associations and from many other charities who come in, in touch with suicidal people. People are welcome to self-refer to us, but we won't start advertising our service because we could get overwhelmed beyond our ability to cope. And we therefore are growing very fast, but at a very steady pace and not changing the model or, or changing what, what we're doing. And, and we find that once a, a service starts using us, for example, a GP surgery start, might start using us, they know because we let the referrer know very, very quickly when we've booked an appointment. And I think they're always very surprised at the speed of our response and then they use us more. And, and I think a lot of the GP practices know that the difficulty of referring suicidal people to IAP services. I mean, one of our criteria, I mean, one is they have to be suicidal and two, they have to be able to get in to see us because we're a face to face service mm -hmm. and our places are very close to public transport. So one is very near Victoria Station. One is very near Kings Cross Station. The one we're about to open will be very near Hammersmith Broadway. So we see people from all 32 London boroughs, plus mm -hmm. all the home counties simply because sadly there is not a lot of competition for what we're doing. 
that's definitely answered my question. So thank you. That is helpful to know that as well. And the reasons behind that. And it definitely makes perfect sense to myself and I'm sure others. I understand so much now a lot more about your service and the brilliant work it's been doing. Um, and I'm so glad that you've been able to come in here and just tell us a little bit more about your service, which is great. We really appreciate you volunteering your time. Um, so thank you again, Sarah, and all the best with your service.